Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk and welcome to Life on the Farm. Welcome back everyone to another week at Life on the Farm. I am coming to you at the end of my third week of my ICU rotations, so I am halfway done. And when I tell you all that time flies, it truly does. For me personally, at least, I feel like at the end of every day, I realize how long the day was. It's about 10 hours. But looking back on the last three weeks, it feels like it went by in the blink of an eye. And the fact that I only have three more weeks left at this site too is just so bittersweet because I've loved all of the people I've had the opportunity to work with. I feel like I've grown a lot. I've learned a lot, had so much um, support in seeking out opportunities and being given exposure to all of these different sorts of experiences that I may not have gotten elsewhere. So that's definitely part of the highlight from this week was getting to go to the cath lab and witness an angioplasty. So that was one thing that was just so, so cool to do. And then on top of that, I spent most of the week in the transitions of care office. So working on discharge counseling, it was very rewarding. And I had a really great experience at the end of the week that I will definitely be sharing with you all. And that kind of leads into explaining the title for today's episode. It's a concept that I've already used in my Instagram story, but I love it. My friends all use it. I think it's great. I feel like it really just embodies a whole mood. And so I decided to reuse it for the title of this week's podcast. And it's angioplasty, but make it fashion with the little squiggly lines because Although it was a really awesome experience, it was also very much out of the blue. So I looked, let's go with different for now until I explain the story walking into the OR. But yeah, all things to look forward to in today's episode. So please keep listening. And without further ado, let's get into my week. So before I get into my week and what my rotations look like, really quickly on Monday, we actually had conference. So the cohort that's in the greater Sacramento area, we all get on Zoom and we have a conference for, it ranges from like an hour to three hours. It really just depends. But this week was really cool because we had the opportunity to do a little bit of a residency overview, informational session what have you, kind of just all things residency related. And so the first hour, there were residency program directors from the Sacramento area, the NorCal area on the call. And so they talked to us a little bit about residency interviews, application process, and things like that. The second hour, a PGY1 resident actually gave us some tips and tricks about approaching showcases. So CSHP, ASHP all have residency programs that have booths set up and this year is extremely different in the fact that it won't be in person so just talking about that a little bit more and then the last hour we had a panel of PGY1 residents and PGY2 residents actually on the call and they talked to us a little bit about their experience with applying to residency um, what it's like being a resident things to look out for consideration um, how many places they applied to and whatnot so it's a really great opportunity to hear from quote-unquote experts. I mean, the residency program direct, everyone actually uh, across the three hours knew exactly what they were talking about considering they're in the exact position that many of us are looking to be in from a year from now. And so it was really great because the first hour in talking with the residency program directors, it was great to hear from them what they're looking for, characteristics, things to be mindful of in our application. So making sure that you have someone proofread your letters of intent at the same time, just being an authentic applicant. If you're interested in what you're doing and you really have a passion for it, let that come out. Let your story be what leads you. And so I thought that was really great just 
to hear from them just what they're considering in these interesting times. So whether or not interviews will be in person or online, it sounds like many of them will be online. So that's something to also take into account. Also, that makes it much easier to apply to a multitude of places since we all don't have to travel. And so, yeah, they offered a lot of great insight, also preparing for interviews, making sure that you know your strengths and your weaknesses, all of those really classic interview questions, making sure that you're prepared. But it doesn't sound like you memorized your answer, but more so that if you were to be asked it, you have a starting point to then speak from. So again, I think it's just really great to touch base with people in that position because that's who you'll be interviewing with. And so it's really great to get their perspective on what they're looking for, things to consider, especially because none of us have interviewed for residencies before. And so we don't know what that process is like. And then on top of that, not only is it about being an authentic applicant yourself and really just your passion for pharmacy coming through, but there's also the clinical portion of it. So making sure you're prepared for that, understanding that maybe you won't know the answer, but how you approach the question is just as important. So again, a really great way to kick things off. And then the second hour was also fantastic. The whole situation was because it allowed us the opportunity to learn a little bit more about how to approach showcases. And this is something I talked about during my week off or whichever podcast that was, but it's such a unique situation asking questions that aren't already on the website, especially because a lot of programs are so robust and they do such a great job of outlining everything. Just finding questions that don't already have the answers out there is can be very difficult, but it allows you the opportunity in another sense to really then get to connect with others by asking about their experiences, what they really like without, you know, getting like too personal into their lives and whatnot. But Yeah. And then on top of that, just talking about what it would look like virtually. And so making sure that you're prepared with your questions because you do have these one-on-one experiences, which is quite different than an in-person showcase because there tends to be a lot of other people around. It tends to be a lot louder. You have shorter periods of time. But now that we're all online, it's really just you and the other person and you have this chance to speak without a lot of distractions around and the conversation can last for quite a while even if you end up really connecting with the person so all things to consider also since we're online and you have your cv submitted making sure first of all that you have a cv that you're ready to submit at any point because another consideration is that even though we are online it also gives us access to everything on our computer so our documents and whatnot so even presentations and things It was very much way far out of the realm of consideration, but the potential for maybe having to bring those things up. And so again, just having that brought to our attention, I think is super valuable because again, never been through the experience before. We're also dealing with, you know, doing this in a pandemic, which no one is familiar with. So it's a learning curve on everyone's part. And so I think it's great to just have as much information as possible. And then especially to like try to emulate the real situation and make sure you're getting as much as you can out of it. And then lastly, just having the residency panel, I think was really great because they were literally in our shoes what a year ago, less than a year ago, almost a year ago. Yeah, like a year ago. I don't know why this is so hard for me to think about about a year ago. And so they know kind of what we're thinking about, what our concerns are. Um, talking about how many residencies to apply to and it varies across the board some people do as little as five or six some people do as much as like 16 to 18 so 
really it's such an individualized experience but I think the more perspective you can get and the insights that you can gather it'll also help to shape your own kind of vision for yourself and what you think is best for you again I'm going through it for the first time as well so this is all hearsay until maybe a year from now for me too so all things I just thought I would share because this is a part of our appy rotation is making sure that we have this chance to build ourselves professionally, um, grow as professionals. And so I think it's really great that our school and our program is, are able to bring all of these people to us so that we have this opportunity to really get firsthand information and knowledge about all of these things that maybe you can't get from someone else or somewhere else. So again, really great resources and I'm glad that we had that opportunity. And I just want to touch upon it really quickly because we are approaching residency application season and it is constantly on the front of my mind. So I thought I would share a little bit about where things are at. And I guess like another thing to add into that, because this was the third week of my rotation, we do a midpoint evaluation. So that was really great. Just getting to sit down with my preceptor, talk to her. She's fantastic. Uh, she has honestly inspired me so much. And so that was just a really great way to catch up with one another. And then just talking about residencies and what I'm looking for moving forward. I also started this week compile a document of all of the important accomplishments and interventions that I've made across all of my different rotations so that when it does come time for letters of rec, I have something that I can email all of my preceptors. So especially with like short-term goals, long-term goals, uh, the programs that I'm considering, and then when the time comes, a sample letter of intent. That way they can have a better idea of where my head's at and then go from there as far as writing a letter goes. So yeah, just wanted to share a little bit about that because on top of rotations, this is also happening in the background and I think it's important to touch upon. But now let's get into my week. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and start with transitions of care because this is where I spent the bulk of my week. And I've talked about transitions of care before. I'm quite familiar with this office now. I had the opportunity to work with them last week as well as during my hospital operations rotation. So that was really helpful because I know the workflow by now. I understand the expectations, so that's awesome. But basically, just to give a little bit of an overview, if you've never heard a episode of this podcast before or aren't familiar with transitions of care. It basically falls under a Medicare bundle payment package and pharmacy is involved in making sure that a patient's prior to admission meds, their inpatient meds, and outpatient meds all are reconciled and then to complete discharge counseling once the patient is discharged. And so the way that it works is that there's one pharmacist and one pharmacy technician. And so the pharmacy technician does med recs for all of the patients who hadn't had one done in the ED. And so from there, we go ahead and we reconcile what the patient is taking with what they are being given inpatient. And so if there are any discrepancies, myself or the pharmacist goes ahead, identifies whether or not they need to be addressed, if there needs to be any dose changes, if we need to add any meds, um, if there's anything just out of the ordinary something isn't matching up and so from there we call the physician and go ahead and give our recommendation if there are any drug drug interactions that's another big one um, and then from there at the end of the patient's admission before they go home we check their after visit summary and we compare it to the changes that were made inpatient versus what the patient was taking prior to admission and make sure that everything lines up with what the doctor wanted to do with what the patient was doing inpatient with what the patient was doing at home because all three of these things can be all very different from one another and that is not helpful for the patient 
And so then from there, we make sure that that's all sorted out. The pharmacy technician actually calls the pharmacy to make sure that they received not only the script, but that they're filling it and that they have um, the copay already run through the insurance. So that way, when the pharmacist or myself goes and does discharge counseling, we can let the patient know how much their copay is going to be. And also it ensures that when they go to the pharmacy, that it will already be filled. So this is really great because, again, it offers the opportunity to have that direct patient care, which I really, really love. So a majority of my work is to actually type up a daily event for every one of these patients who qualifies. And so these are about 15 to 20 patients a day, and they're really classic disease states. So pneumonia and acute MI and then spine is not so much, but it was added to the overall workflow so that's been really cool trying to work through that because pain is definitely something I'm not super super familiar with but I'm definitely getting more used to working in this office and so it's been really cool because every day we basically type up an intervention that tracks the patient's progress and I think one of the greatest experiences out of all of this is that sometimes you have a patient that is new to the list and so you have to start from scratch and so it's kind of like bowling without the bumpers in the sense that you don't have anything to start with and so as a learner personally I really like having that opportunity to paint that picture myself to kind of toss the ball down the lane and make sure I stay down the middle as much as possible and hit all the pins making sure I'm doing a complete workup and overview of the patient without any help from any previous notes so I always love getting new patients on the list because it offers me the opportunity to be the one to kind of hit all those marks or I guess pins for this analogy if you will so really great opportunity we had a lot of new patients this week love doing that and then on top of that the other part that's been really great is working on my communication with the physicians so I've gotten really good at it because I mentioned in a previous experience I had a physician who was very quick with everything and like very much was like go 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 like a million miles an hour and so I very much got used to that whole situation it was really funny because I had a couple of things to go over with the physician this week and he was one of the most mellow dudes I've ever spoken to over the phone so you definitely get a lot of different like personalities and um, communication styles across the board when you're in the healthcare space. So I thought that was really just interesting. Um, and then I think one of the my favorite parts about this whole thing was discharge counseling. And so in the times of COVID, we tend to do them over the phone just because a lot of the patients who present with pneumonia, it's secondary to COVID. So we obviously don't go into those rooms. But for other patients like MI or pneumonia for a different cause, some people just end up with the infection regardless, um, we're able to go into the rooms. And so my really cool experience for the week was I went into a patient's room to go over their meds and the physician was actually there talking to the family about discharge and kind of like what was happening. And I thought that was so cool just because she really did an amazing job of breaking things down. And in every patient room, they have the whiteboard with the patient's nurse on it, um, all their like diet orders, just places to leave notes basically. And so she was awesome. She like got up there and she was drawing with the whiteboard marker, like the throat and the esophagus showing any sort of inflammation, trying to explain the whole disease process, which I thought was so great just because even though she had basically just gone over it, she could tell that the family wasn't really grasping what was going on. And so to go that extra step, I just thought was so great. And on top of that, I learned a lot because they invited me into the room, even though I said I would wait outside. And so I was standing there and I was learning just 
just so much information, which was fantastic. And then at the same time, the physician continued to refer to me as the person who would go over the medications, which is fantastic. I realized that sometimes a pharmacy student isn't so obviously placed. I feel like this is just the theme of my life at this point. I should learn to accept it. But that was really cool too. And so I started to go over just the changes made, new medications that were started, um, any changes to pre-existing medications, as well as any that were being stopped. And so I let them know all of that, counseled them and all of that information. And they actually asked me to go over the meds that the patient was taking at home. So this was uh, a family with an elderly family member. So I started to go over everything with the family themselves. And so I got onto the computer, badged in, pulled up the chart, went through everything with them and literally went drug by drug, indication by indication, explain what they do, their mechanism of action, things to look out for, all sorts of different considerations. And I truly felt like a pharmacist in that moment. Like I had actually learned something over the last two years and just being able to pull that up on my own, go know where to go in Epic and then to have that conversation and explain what each drug does and everything like that. I just was so blown away by myself. I'm going to be honest, like not to toot my own horn, but to also toot my own horn. I was just, it was amazing. And I remember just standing there and um, it was the wife of the, it doesn't even matter who it was. The person I was talking to was just so thankful that I took the time to go through everything. Like granted it took 45 minutes because the patient had like 30 something meds, but I was so, so just like jazzed to do it because it really meant that I had learned a lot and like this was I'm capable like who'd have thought granted I'm being a little bit dramatic but yeah it was such an awesome opportunity and I walked away smiling and I was like went back told my preceptor about it and everything and they were so proud of me they're like we almost like sent someone to go search for you like that took a really long time and I was like well let me tell you what happened and so yeah it was really great because even though it took a really long time it really put to the test all of my abilities, everything like that. And it was also comforting to know that if I didn't know the answer to something, I could always go back, ask, or I knew where to look things up. So again, it's always about knowing where to find the answers. It was just, it just so happened that I knew the answers to everything that I was asked in this case. But again, I was also confident enough to approach this situation the way that I did because I knew that I had the resources to um, figure out answers to questions that I may not know the answer to. So again, it's also all about confidence and like your comfort with just in being in a situation because it's also very real time, like it's happening right then and there. So yeah, it was a fantastic experience, a really great, like lovely family too. So that was a really great opportunity. I couldn't ask for a better experience in that regard because I feel like a lot of times people are like, oh yeah, I know my meds, I know my meds. And you like just tell them the changes and then they're like, okay, I got it. Like it's good. And that's totally fine. That's awesome if people know their meds really well like that. We want that for people. Um, But yeah, so those tend to be a lot shorter of interactions. You go over the new meds, the changes, what things to stop, things to consider. Um, But in the case that it does take a little bit longer, that a family does have more questions, a patient isn't super comfortable with their meds at this point, I think it's so great just being the one that can go ahead and run through that with them. So just a little bit of a gold star moment for me that I was so happy to have taken part in. So yeah, I think those two things combined together, both working up patients on my own, as well as having that confidence to walk into a room and do discharge counseling with a family, um, I think has just really shown me how much I have grown since like my first day of pharmacy school when I didn't know what a beta blocker was. So again, it 
truly is about celebrating the little wins as well and just acknowledging when you've done something that you like didn't think you could do or that you really hadn't done before and now that you've actually done it you've proven to yourself that you're capable of doing it was amazing I could not have asked for a better situation it was fantastic and just being more comfortable uh, talking to people in person and everything like that about their medications has definitely been something that I want to work on of course because you do a community rotation and that's great and I definitely feel like I learned a lot during that moment but yeah it's so different when you're in the room and you're comparing their prior to admission meds to what they were taking inpatient to what they've been given outpatient and the family's asking you questions so again just being really familiar with Epic calm cool collected and confident in your ability because you definitely know what you're doing you wouldn't be there if you didn't I think is super important so I wanted to share that with you all because again an awesome experience for myself and if you ever had the opportunity have the opportunity to do that I highly recommend just like jumping into the deep end and knowing that you know where to find the answers and everything and if you want to prepare before going in totally go over everything with your preceptor or at least with yourself to know what's going on so if possible, try to push yourself to do things that you may not think you're capable of doing beforehand because you never know. Okay, so now let's get into this angioplasty because this was by far the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So the way that it worked was I was actually in the TOC office. So mind you, I'm dressed business professional for the day. I have like my meals on so they don't have like a backing and they're crocodile, whatever. It literally does not matter. Point being, I was not wearing proper footwear to be running through an ER slash into a cath lab, but that I will touch upon in a minute. And so my preceptor call says that a STEMI patient's coming in. They're going to go to the cath lab, come to the pharmacy and change and see if you can meet them up there. And I was like, okay, I'm on it. I literally like closed everything down so quickly. I sped walked to the pharmacy, which was not that far. It's like a total of 10 yards, I think, from the office I was currently at. Changed so fast in like two minutes into scrubs because you have to wear hospital scrubs. And mind you, I'm still not wearing like tennis shoes or anything. So that was a whole look in itself. And I take the, I think Bavalarudin, they needed some Bavalarudin. So I took that with me I and some labels. I go to the ER, I meet the ED pharmacist and he's like, oh, just in time. They're about to take them up. So we both go, we start walking with the patient and everyone else. There's like a whole group of people that walks with them. We take them to the patient access elevator. Uh, we go up to the second floor where the cath lab is. And all along the way, we were doing some other stuff. We were just talking and things like that. And so the patient gets taken into the cath lab and I have to scrub in. So very Grey's Anatomy, like it has like the big sink with the faucets and the soap and the, all the other stuff. It was really great. You'd scrub up to the elbows and everything. Had a hair cap, had um, the little booties to go on to my shoes. So that helped a little bit because it got to hide all of the, you know, improper footwear that I had for this occasion uh, and then literally they're sprinting through the halls which makes sense I mean the person the patient is having a STEMI so this is very important we need to deal with this and so the way that it works is you walk into the cath lab and there's this giant x-ray machine so you have to wear a lead basically dress the entire time which is so cool because all of the nurses that work there and the interventional radiologists, cardiologists all have their own individualized lead vests with like leopard print and glitter and 
um, just so cool and it's all embroidered and they just look so legit I loved it and the patient lays on the table in the middle of the room and they have computer screens everywhere and they have the biggest one like right by the patient's bed on the other side of it where the cardiologist stand so that they can see where they're leading the guide wire and so they prep the patient for the procedure they enter through the femoral artery and then they enter into the different um, arteries in the heart in order to find where the blockage is or if there's a lesion or whatnot and so it was really it was amazing such an interesting experience just watching on the screen where the guide wire is going the different ways that they approach um, just when they have difficulties or face some sort of problem that they were they couldn't foresee because you're literally getting the patient on the table within I don't know like 20 minutes of them entering the door which so you have no idea what's going to happen and lo and behold this happened to be one of the most complicated patients apparently they've ever had because the procedure ended up taking three and a half hours <laughs> where apparently it only usually takes like 30 to 45 minutes like in a non-complicated patient so that was super interesting because I was standing for three and a half hours which the whole time like I was not registering anything until I left the room and I realized I totally regretted ever breaking my foot because all of my weight was on my left side and not on my right and so I walked out and my left foot was like or left side was so so sore but I was so just engrossed in the whole procedure the entire time like I could not look away like nothing else caught my attention except for what was happening on the screen with the guide wires and watching the cardiologist and just the way that the nurses interact and just how well that they work together the synergy in the room was just unbelievable it was honestly such a cool experience and again it being a procedure in itself it felt very Grey's Anatomy like mind you something that perhaps down the line when become a pharmacist like it's not you don't really get the opportunity to see so I think as a learner it puts you in such a unique position to have these opportunities to kind of watch these procedures you wouldn't otherwise and I do have an interest in cardiology on top of emergency medicine so I really appreciated my preceptor and the ED pharmacist like looking out for me and being like you should totally go to that because I was all about it and honestly it was just just seeing the way that everyone worked and how this happens and just this patient on the table in a very acute type of setting and all of these different things and then placing the stent itself and the fact that the patient was complicated also made this just that much more of an interesting experience for myself. And so basically the gist was that following the guide wire, the patient had like this, basically a fork in the road, if you want to call it, of the arteries. And one led to a false lumen, so basically a dead end. And the guide wire would not go through the real access point. And so that took a little while because you have to be very careful. Like this is also on the patient's heart like this is happening real time and the patient's awake mind you I mean they're not totally out or anything they definitely have pain meds and everything like that so that was also so unique because you're talking to the patient throughout um, you're asking how they are they're very much like aware of what's happening too so just in general such a cool experience um, yeah I don't really know like what else to say I feel like I'm not doing a great job of explaining what it looked like in the room but I mean was basically yeah an OR-esque type of situation and so you just keep watching on the screen the different ways that they go and then um, eventually when the patient's done they end up suturing everything up and since it's through the femoral artery it's near like the lower abdomen growing area and so sometimes um, they can end up developing like a hematoma or things like that and so different wound sealants like the femistop then also just a wound vac in general was really cool the nurses were so nice just because for them there's a one main 
assist at the table itself and then the rest help out on the periphery with there's continuous charting that's happening and so they have to document basically like every couple of minutes like what's going on if there's any change any different use of materials which I think is just so cool so literally every single moment and every single thing is kept track of and so um, one of the nurses was like really cool and explained everything to me that was happening because also I've again never been in an angioplasty and so it's really hard to also follow on the screen what's happening because the x-ray machine continues to move as the cardiologist needs better visual and so she was explaining everything to me on the screen so it definitely made it a lot easier to follow but yeah such a cool experience I mean um, it definitely helped that it was a more unique case and so there's a lot more going on but yeah by the time I walked out it was like three and a half hours later I think I only had like two more hours left in the day I had already been there for like eight hours <laughs> and so I got out and my preceptor's like do you need a dextrose drip like I did not expect it to take that long and I was like oh no no I'm fine and so someone had brought in pizza so I inhaled like two slices so so fast because we ended up doing my midpoint evaluation like right after that so I don't know it was funny because again everyone was like oh I thought we lost you and I was like oh no 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 it just took a really long time <laughs> so again what a fascinating experience highly recommend talking to your preceptors about like what you're interested in and things you want to see and all of that because we're again in such a unique position as learners that perhaps when we are pharmacists one day we won't get these opportunities so Again, definitely capitalize on them if you can. All of these different types of um, procedures are happening throughout the hospital. So if possible, you know, you never know. The worst that someone could say is no. So again, highly recommend. Very cool experience. We'll never forget. And now it also helps to solidify for me what exactly it means when we think about a STEMI and STEMI when a patient goes to the cath lab. Kind of this idea of percutaneous intervention and then stenting, a bare stent versus a drug-eluting stent, all these different things. So again, seeing it in real life also helps us solidify it as well. And also all the different considerations that have to be taken into account when it comes to doing a procedure like this. So what meds are they using during this point? You have your pain meds, you have some mild sedation. Again, the patient's not completely out um, and things like that. So that was also really cool um, because again, we don't really learn about what meds do you use during procedures and stuff like that. So getting that type of exposure was very unique because when we're on the floor, we definitely have access to those medications and learning about them. And then when you're in the pharmacy itself, seeing what people are dispensed throughout all the different floors. But surgery itself is a totally different ballgame. So definitely helped getting a little bit of um, exposure to that because again as I've said a bajillion times already you don't really learn about it too much in pharmacy school so just thought I'd share a little bit about that experience Alrighty, so let's now talk about my one day in the ICU. And I guess I never really explained why during my ICU rotation I was in TOC, but part of the internal medicine rotation, which is technically what this is for me, is doing medication re reconciliation as well as discharge counseling. But since I'm in the ICU, a lot of these patients um, are either intubated or on a vent and whatnot and aren't able to give that type of information. And so I was in TOC in order to fulfill those objectives for this rotation. But I was happy to be back in the ICU for even a day. And it was actually really cool just being in there for the one day during the week. I was in the middle of the week because it offered me the opportunity to work up all of the patients from the ground up. So I wasn't familiar with them. I hadn't had any previous experience with most of them. And so I decided to 
shocker, ditched my monitoring sheets because if you remember previously, I used to use one for every patient and I decided that I was ready to just use the patient list and do my patient work up off of that. And so I went from having a whole double-sided sheet for each patient to just using two pages for all 12 of them. So last week I had finally worked up the entire team, but just my personality, I really like to up the ante and continue to push myself and find ways to grow, to be more independent and to really just solidify my skills. And so I thought I would give it a shot to just work them up off of the patient list. And so it was like riding a bike without training wheels. I guess basically the bowling whole analogy would work for this as well. It was basically like bowling without the bumpers again. And so Something that really made me feel more comfortable in doing this and wanting to take this next step was that throughout the whole two weeks prior was that I was really consistent in the way that I worked up my patients. So the way that that monitoring sheet flowed is now ingrained in my head so much so that I felt comfortable enough to go ahead and apply that to just having the patient list in front of me. And so if I felt like I wasn't comfortable with that at that point, I definitely wouldn't have done it. Um, but I really thought that I had a good grasp on it and I definitely did, but that isn't to say that there were some things that I had forgotten to take a look at and I would realize looking at someone else like, oh, did I look at this for that person? And so it was definitely a little bit more of going back and forth. Um, but again, an adjustment period, which I was more than okay with, but it was a really great feeling to have worked up all 12 by the end. Um, I included on my patient list, I would include the fishbone diagram as well as the hemoglobin hematocrit and like platelets and white blood cell count, that whole thing. And then I would just include my recommendations in my last column. So the list printout had the patient's room, their name, their admission diagnosis, and that was basically it. And then all of my notes. And so again, I always like to find new ways to continue to push myself further and more so. And so I definitely think a big part of that though was being consistent in the weeks prior because it's important to have a really strong foundation before you put a lot of pressure on yourself to just dive into the deep end. So again, it's all about your own comfort levels, but if you feel like you've grown out of a certain situation or you feel like you want to push yourself further totally go for it do you know what I mean I mean the worst that happens is that you weren't ready to take that big of a step but you learn from it and then you continue to adjust and grow from it so again it worked out and I'm very much looking forward to continuing to do so in my next three weeks since I'll be in the ICU again. Um, but yeah, a really great learning opportunity because I see my preceptors do it all the time. And so it's definitely something I wanted to shoot for. A goal of my own was to be able to work up patients just off the list. And so I was definitely nervous about doing it. I wasn't sure if my preceptor was going to be like, oh, are you sure you want to go ahead and do that? And it was funny because we talked at my midpoint evaluation about all this type of stuff. And she's like, yeah, I was so impressed you decided to just go for it. And I was like, I figured the worst that happened was I felt like I needed to use the monitoring sheets again. And I went and I could just go ahead and do that. So again, I just feel like you get out of these situations what you put into it. And so if you feel like you're really stagnant, or if you feel like you want to make a change, or you want to grow in a different direction, go for it. Like I feel like that's we're in such a unique position to just really be as much of a clinician as we want with like the added benefit of having somebody to run our ideas by and 
um, double check what we want to recommend with. So I really, really cannot emphasize just how important it is to capitalize in this situation as a learner because eventually it'll all fall on you and that's awesome and you want to make sure that you're comfortable doing these types of things. And so I also know that during residency, it tends to be a little bit more hectic like that. So I wanted to be a lot better with my patient workups, really efficient, but also very thorough because again, I don't want one to have to be um, sacrificed in lieu of the other. So Again, it's also about balance. Don't push yourself to do anything that you don't want to do, of course. But yeah, just something I wanted to point out. Again, it was just the one day. Got to see my med student friends again. They're fantastic. Can't say enough good things about them. And yeah, it was just really good seeing everybody on the floor because I wasn't going to be there for most of the week. But really love being there. I really like the energy and the vibe and just getting to do work like that. So I think this week also I really realized for the first time that I thoroughly enjoy critical care and a long-term goal of mine is definitely to be board certified in critical care pharmacy. So that's something that's really exciting. I think all of this talk about the future and these different things and then of course the pharmacists I'm surrounded by are obviously big motivating factors but just seeing how well-versed they are and just how knowledgeable they are about these different things both the ICU pharmacist and the ED pharmacist are critical care certified board certified and so it's definitely inspired me to want to do the same down the road so just a little bit I guess of a life update on top of everything so yeah although it was just a day what an impact the ICU made on me this week And then lastly, the staple of every third week of a rotation is my midpoint presentation. And for this rotation, it was a journal club. And the article that I looked at had to do with the Odyssey's outcomes trial. And this evaluated the PCSK9 inhibitor, alirosumab, in cardiovascular outcomes after acute coronary syndrome. It's a 2018 article published in the New England Journal of Medicine if you're interested. But the main takeaway was that among patients who had a previous acute coronary syndrome and in whom lipid levels exceeded specified thresholds despite atorvastatin or rosuvastatin therapy at a high intensity dose or at the maximum tolerated dose, the risk of a composite of death from coronary heart disease, non-fatal MI, fatal or non-fatal ischemic stroke, or unstable angina requiring hospitalization was lower among those who were treated with alirosumab than among those who received placebo. So really interesting drug to take into consideration. It's used mostly outpatient. Um, there are other PCSK9 inhibitors like evolosumab and bosasosumab. I may have just totally butchered those names, but they are also in that same class. And so they do a really great job in lowering LDL by a significant amount. But again, there's also the cost benefit analysis to everything. And so they're very expensive drugs. Insurance companies don't tend to cover them at the moment. And again, clinical trials also don't have enough solid evidence to have them included in guidelines and treatment algorithms. So I had an interest in cardio and so I wanted to take a look at this drug, especially because we only talked about it briefly in pharmacy school. So again, just as a journal club goes, you basically start off with what is the article, you cite it, you mention who it's funded by, you also talk about the objectives, the study design, the inclusion exclusion criteria, the primary and secondary endpoints, you talk about the statistical analysis, the discussion, as well as the results, and then you also want to make sure that you talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of the study itself. So I take a look at the study design, statistical analysis, and the results and evaluate the strengths and the weaknesses in regards to all three categories. And then lastly, you talk about what the conclusion is. 
very big point, something that I always try to do with my journal clubs is to keep them to one page. Um, try to be as succinct as possible while also making sure that in the case you're asked a question, you yourself are well informed enough to then go ahead and recall the information. Again, if you don't know something, make sure to just write it down so that you can get back to the person that asked it of you because that's always important to have that follow-up and so yeah again it's about a 15 to 20 minute presentation not too too bad again I was really interested in this topic so that made it even more interesting to take a look at because they can these can sometimes be really dense and hefty topics to really break down and dissect so it wasn't too bad and then again I always look forward to the question portion and by that I mean I look forward to and am also very very nervous for the questions section because in the chance that I do know the answer that's always great and when I don't it teaches me how to become more comfortable with being uncomfortable and not knowing the answer and so I just make sure to write it down so that I can get back to the person so I did have one question I didn't know the answer to I wasn't sure how much it reduced LDL by um, just on its own because the study evaluated it in comparison to just placebo but there was the addition of the statin therapy so I needed to look that up and so I actually had a little bit of time after my presentation so I ended up looking it up and went to the pharmacist and had an in-person conversation about it which was really great because she and I had not really like spoken much before she works like a different shifts she tends to work the evening shifts and so there's only a small overlap between when I'm there and when she's there and so that led to a really great conversation and she gave me some great advice about where to go to look up more information and like if I ever have any trouble looking up any info like she loves YouTube like going on YouTube and just looking up disease states to see like how things work that way she's like able to better understand the medications themselves so again I really like going to people in person I mean granted I tend to send emails because it takes me a little bit of time to look things up but I had a little bit of downtime after my presentation because I was waiting for someone. So I thought, you know what, why not? Let me just take care of this now. It worked out even better than an email because it ended up leading to us having a conversation for like 10 minutes about a bunch of other stuff. So again, just connect with people. I don't know how else to put it really. I honestly really just enjoy learning as much as I can from as many people as possible because everyone has such unique experiences and can offer you a different perspective on things and how to approach different situations. So always be open to learning, whether it be medication related or just in general, how to approach situations. Use the people around you as resources because they're filled with so much knowledge. And honestly, I wouldn't even know where to begin to learn these things on my own anyway. And with that, we have reached the weekend. It is time to sleep in and to take some time for yourself, relax, check in, do a little bit of self-care. I did this really cool charcoal face mask and it's one of those ones where it goes on really smooth and then I think within like five minutes, it starts to like bubble. Like you can see it start to like come off of your face, like rise and you can start to hear it too. It's like Rice Krispies on your face. It's so, so cool. And like it comes off really nice and your skin's really smooth. Highly recommend doing one of those. And self-care isn't just face masks and all that though. It is definitely about checking in with yourself as well. So making sure that you're good with where you're at, identifying anything that's making you feel any sort of type of way and working through that because it's good to be healthy physically, mentally, emotionally. And so always just want to put that reminder out there that take some time for yourself. It's not always about the work. It's about having a balance between the two because you can't be your best clinician and provider if you can't take care of yourself as well. So 
yeah, just want to throw that out there. But for me, again, the face mask, fantastic. Caught up on some Netflix. And then I recorded this podcast, of course, did my laundry because I'm a responsible adult. And then I started working on my topic discussion for Monday, which has to do with atrial fibrillation. And I must have blocked out cardio from P1 year in regard to antiarrhythmics because there are so many. And I think that that's fantastic. I'm glad there's so many options. But at the same time, there are just so many. So it was good to, you know, get a little bit of a refresher on that, get my mind working again, thinking about all of that. Also with rate control and anticoagulation for stroke prophylaxis, just so much to consider. But again, made sure to take some time for myself and then get back to some of the other things I needed to address. So yeah, that basically sums up everything I wanted to share with you all this week. Thank you so much again for your love and your support and for listening. It really does mean the world to me. I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy and wearing a mask and that you vote in November because that's also very important. But until then, I will talk to you all later and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Bye.